We've been in a book for a few weeks now. It's the book of Colossians. It's, uh, it's been the catapult. I said I'm trying to stretch myself and kind of preach through a book. A lot of times I'm thematic in what I do, so I got a theme in the book. Uh, but that's besides the point. Uh, and so what we've seen is, is this was a letter that Paul wrote to a church, and he was just encouraging them to press on. He was encouraging them that there was more for them. Uh, the verse that I've picked out, the verses that I've picked out that I think kind of summarize this book to get us all on the same page before we get into our context for today, is since then, this is in chapter 3, you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. The reality that I think Paul was pointing out to the church in Colossae, the reality that I believe God is pointing, pointing out to the church in Crawford, is we have a tendency. And our tendency is to settle for the lower things. But God has greater things for us. If we can just focus on heavenward things, if we can look at what God has stored up for us. Remember, we've talked about two of the greater things now. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about there's a greater hope for children of God. That God has stored up for us in heaven, heavenward, through Jesus Christ, hope that is absolute. It's a hope that isn't dependent on things below, but it's cemented, it's anchored in heaven because of what Jesus Christ did. Last week we looked at a phrase in this prayer that Paul starts this letter with. And that phrase was living a life worthy. That God has called us, his people, to have a greater purpose for our lives. Sometimes we define our purpose by things or we limit our purpose based on other things, but God, he, he wants us to have a greater purpose in our lives. Today we're going to continue on the greater things. We're going to continue looking at the prayer. Some of this will be familiar. Some of this will be new. This is Paul's prayer. And I'll, I'll reference this. He addresses this prayer, if you're not looking in the NIV, but in the King James to the saints, or in the NIV it says to the Holy One. This is who he's addressing this prayer to. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we haven't stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. That's what we talked about last week. And please him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. I read several verses I really want to lean into verse 12. There's something in this verse that I think stands out to me as I read this. Uh, knowing the church in Colossae. If you remember, I'm sure everybody has notes and it's in your notes, so just flip back a few weeks. When I was talking about the church in Colossae, that church was mainly a Gentile church. There were some Jews there, but most of the people who were assembled in that church were Gentiles. And how did the Jews treat the Gentiles when it came to their God? If you remember some of the stories in Scripture, what we see is that Gentiles were never good enough for the God uh, of the Jews. 
They were never able to experience the promises of his covenant with his people. They were always disqualified from every promise that God has. So what I read in this, Paul's writing this church. They're hearing about Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah, the one who has come. They're telling other people about him. And he speaks a phrase that I'm guessing resonates with their hearts. He says in verse 12, giving joyful thanks to the Father, Yahweh, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Now, can you imagine if you've always been disqualified? Like it was something you could never have. Basically, I've got a sense, this is me interpreting the way the Gentiles spent. Either there was resentment or they felt like they were never enough. And Paul's praying for them, and he's speaking to them, I want you to recognize that there is greater qualification for you in the kingdom of God. You may have lived under a culture of disqualification, but I want to tell you that God has qualified you for your inheritance in the kingdom of life. Now, we have a culture of qualification, too. I mean, it's not just something that existed in Colossae. Can you think about, uh, I think about Trevor and when he was wrestling. So Trevor wrestled to do what? To win. And he won so he could go to state. And in order to go to state, in athletics, we have to qualify. If we're not good enough, if we haven't wrestled well enough, if we can't win our matches, we don't qualify for state. It happens with wrestling. It happens with football. It happens with other things. It happens with speech. I mean, all these areas, it's a culture that we've created. Not only is it qualifying for sports, but then what happens? We graduate high school and we start this season of applying for college. There are some schools that you have to score a certain score on a test as well as have a high enough GPA for you to get a letter that says, hey, you're welcome, you're, you're qualified to attend our school. So we go to school and we get a lot of debt. We graduate from college and what do we want to do? We want to buy a car or a house. So what do we have to do? We have to qualify. So we show someone how much debt we have and how much we think we're going to make and they give us a lot more money for a house that we should never take. And they give us a letter that says you're pre-qualified. And now I get a job because i got to make enough money to pay for this loan that I should never have taken and the college loans that I had to have because I qualified for college. And I work real hard. (laughs) And I get a promotion because I'm doing my best. And I'm working well with people and I'm productive. And so now I qualify, I'm qualified to move up in the workplace and and I'm qualified for a raise. We really do live a lot based on being qualified. And you know what, as a pastor, I'm going to suppose there's some people in this room who've been disqualified. And when you've been disqualified, this whole idea of being qualified is pretty incredible or it's insurmountable 
Like it can be something that brings great comfort or something that brings great fear because I thought I was once qualified, but people told me I wasn't good enough, but people said my grades weren't high enough, but I lost the match that mattered. All these things have disqualified me, and so I start living as someone who is disqualified. It becomes a part of who I am. It becomes a part of the way I think. It becomes what I set my mind and my my heart on. I think that was the church in Colossae. I mean, Yahweh and this new covenant was now theirs. And Paul's praying for them. Now remember, they were known for their faith in God and their love for men. Things were going well for them. They were doing good. But Paul is still saying in his prayer, I'm praying that you would know that God has qualified you. That's crazy. Because sometimes we wrestle with being qualified. I just guess, you know, Walt was getting the post office box for the church in Colossae and he opened up that letter. And the first thing that that Paul wrote in that letter, this is a letter addressed to the saints. (laughs) That's not me. (laughs) Rowan, here's your letter. I mean, the standard that he set when he started this letter, like to the saints, well, how many of us feel qualified to be a saint? We, we remove ourselves from what God intended because of our perceptions and our experiences. You see, spiritually, I think a lot of times we can disqualify ourselves. Not just physically, not just from school, not just from work, but spiritually at times, we disqualify ourselves. How? We disqualify ourselves by what we've done. Good or bad. Think about the Pharisees with Jesus. They were known for what? What they did. They wanted everyone to know what they did. They announced when they prayed, Hey, look, I'm praying! They spoke with lots of words, and they said words like noble. That was a Sunday school joke. So people could hear them. Everything they did, they thought, was qualifying themselves for what God had for them. And they hung their hat or their phylactery, whichever way you want to put it, on what they had done. They were so consumed with with doing, feeling like if I do enough, I'll be qualified for the promises of God. If I can just do enough, God will now qualify me, quantify or qualify me for my inheritance at heavenward. And they were good doers. Well, sometimes Jesus was pretty harsh. And one of the harshest rebukes we see in Scripture was to these doers who were qualified for what they've done. He said to them, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgent. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, 
who look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of dead and everything unclean. You want to talk about a rebuke from Jesus Christ. He just said you smell and look and act like a dead person on the inside. In the same way on the outside you appear as righteous, but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Too often... A stronghold for us is that we try to qualify ourselves based on what we're doing. Or we disqualify ourselves based on what we've done. I'm going to get to it in a little bit, but the qualification that Paul is writing about isn't based on what you've done or what you're doing. Another warning in From Jesus, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Remember, that was the formula for living a worthy life, was doing the will of the Father, hearing him, obeying him, in unity, persevering when it got hard. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. My warning to you today is if you're basing your qualification on God's inheritance that he has for you, on what you're doing, you're limiting what God has for you. And I would say you might be in danger. Because it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift from God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. I'm not saying just sit back and do nothing. Do you hear me? That's not what Pastor is trying to say this morning. But your qualification isn't based on what you're doing. What you're doing is based on your qualification. I'm going to say that again. Your qualification isn't the basis, or your, your, your works aren't the basis for your qualification. You're not qualified by what you've done or what you've done wrong. But because you're qualified, that's what he says, there are good works, that's this obeying the will of God. God has created you, he has made you, he's given you gifts, and he's asked you to do things at times. Those are the things you do because you're qualified by God. We're not qualified by by what we've done. And we're not qualified by where we're from. That was the big thing that the church in Colossae was dealing with. They were from the wrong wrong mom. Because I was from the wrong mom, I was disqualified. And because I was from the right mom, I was qualified. That's really where they were living. Paul is talking. He had the right qualifications. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. This is the one that people read about Paul that they think he was arrogant. He was trying to speak this in humility, saying this qualification doesn't matter. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, I come from the right place of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church, I've done a lot of things. As for righteousness based on the law, I am faultless. Like I've done everything the law says. 
But whatever were gains to me, I now consider as loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul was saying to the church, they were arguing about whether or not he was qualified or not. And there were some others in Philippi that were arguing Paul wasn't. He said, look, let's just talk about this in in where everyone's coming from. Where I'm coming from, I've got the qualifications. If we're basing this on whose mom I was or what last name is on on my driver's license... I qualify. If that's what you're looking at things for, if that's what you're basing, who gets in or who gets the promises of God, sometimes we think we get the promises of God because of the church name that we attend. We put so much hope in where we're from. Like, I mean, I just think there's some people that think when they get to, the, they, they get to heaven, there's going to be an Assemblies of God section or a Pentecostal section that's closer to God. It's not about where I come from. It's not about what I've done. It's not about where I come from. Remember the story in, in, the, in, the, in Jesus' day in the New Testament where there was this woman and she came to Jesus. She was crying because her daughter was possessed with demons. I'm not going to read the whole story. And, and she's asking Jesus just to heal her daughter. If you want to look at it, it's in, in Matthew 15. And I just see this moment. The disciples are with Jesus and this woman was from where? Canaan. She's a Canaanite. That that was the clue there. She's from Canaan. So guess what? That's not where she's supposed to be from. Someone was calling. I had a lifeline right there. Phone a friend. She was from the wrong place. So guess what everybody else was saying? Let me just see the disciples. She's not qualified for this. Why? The only reason they had for her not being qualified was she was a Gentile. She fit in better better in Colossae than she does in Jerusalem. And they said, you're not qualified because of where you come from. Come on. The enemy uses the same tactic over and over again. And he tries to disqualify us because of where we're from. And sometimes he reminds us of where we're from. And he says, because of where you're from, you don't qualify for anything at the master's table. Just give me something. Jesus even said, I came for what? Israel right now. You're from the wrong place. What does she say? Even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from their master's table. It's not about where I'm from. I just need something. I'm qualified for the crumbs. I'm not disqualified now. I'm qualified for the crumbs. And Jesus says to her, woman, you have great faith. 
You haven't disqualified yourself, but you've qualified yourself. You have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. It's not about what I've done. It's not about where I've come from. And it's not about what other people have to say about you. Sometimes we let others tell us where we belong or what we're doing. Sometimes we put more confidence in the words of men than we do in the word of God. Huh? Well, I had a pastor one time tell me. That's what we hear time and time again. You're not disqualified or qualified because of what you've done, where you're from, or what someone else has said. I'm not worried if someone else has told you about all the promises that are yours in Christ Jesus. I'm not worried if some man or woman has told you that you're called to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. What I'm worried is what has God said, not what has man said. Now, don't get me wrong. Pastor's talking bad about people. Yes, I'm an apostle or a prophet, right? I speak. I'm a messenger. Hopefully I'm hearing from God and speaking what he has to say. There are times I feel like God speaks through me directly to people. But I hope you don't put your confidence more in the words of men than the plans of God. Huh? Sometimes it's we're qualified because someone said. Or we're disqualified because someone said. Remember? Come on. I love the church. I love who we are. I don't go to church because someone said I wasn't welcome there. He set his table for you. Or I come to church and I sit in the front row because someone said that's where I belong. It's not about where you're from. It's not about what you've done. It's not about what others have said. Think about the story of David. Remember, and, and I'm not going to read this whole story either because I had a bunch of verses today. First Samuel 16. Saul went crazy. He was the king. He went goofy. You can read that. And so there was supposed to be a new king. So Samuel was supposed to go anoint a new king. And he, and he goes, and he goes to, to, to Benjamin's sons. Or Jesse's son, sorry. And he comes before Jesse's sons. And who does he see first? Someone else pronounces so I don't have to. Roy? <laughs> when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab. We're just going to say that's what his name is. Can we just say Eli for a second? And thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before the Lord. Looked at him, this guy looked the part. He was the oldest, he was the best looking, this was the son. This must be the one that God has. See, sometimes people decide who's qualified and who's not. I love this whole story and I'm going to try to do this quickly. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height for I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't look at the things people look, uh, people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse says, okay, if it's not him, what does he do? He brings the rest of his boys in before, before the prophet. Now Jesse has even disqualified David. Why? 
Because when they get through all the other boys, the prophet says, is there anybody left? There was one, pro, one boy that wasn't even called to this meeting. He wasn't even a part of this, this moment. Where was he? He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We won't sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him, and he had him brought in. And he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Man, like I said, Walt, sometimes when I get a line in the Bible, that one's a good line to have, guys. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. That's a better line, guys. You see, he wasn't disqualified because of what someone else said. See, why? Because that verse that we read says, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Look at the word qualify. It's in the past tense. What does that mean? It's done. Why were they qualified? Giving thanks to the Father who qualified them. God. What was absolute? What was certain in their life? Because the Father had qualified them. He brought them into the kingdom of light. Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. We're qualified because of Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ has done. I've become a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And because I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ, I'm qualified for my inheritance in the kingdom of God. It is. It's absolute. It is done. God has qualified you. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are qualified. You're qualified. You know what it else says? He has rescued us. Huh? That's past tense. You've been rescued from the dominion of darkness. I don't care what you're going through. You've been rescued. You're qualified for it. You have been rescued. He's been brought into the kingdom of the son he loves. In him we have what? You are redeemed and you have been forgiven. I love this. Because what Paul's saying to these people who are controlled by being disqualified is stop wrestling with whether you're qualified or not. You have been qualified by the Father. It's something that has been done through the Passover lamb. Think about the story in the Old Testament. Remember when, when, when they wanted to get out of Egypt? And there were these plagues that kept happening over and over again? What was the last one? Come on. Firstborn, Passover, right? That's the one we get the story of. What were they supposed to do? Well, they had to kill a lamb first, right? 
They had to sacrifice a lamb for the forgiveness of their sin. And what did they do? They put it on their doorpost. On that night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of people and animals. And I will bring judgment on the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. What qualified someone to be free from the, the angel of death? It was simply the blood of the lamb being applied to the doorpost. Sometimes we make things so stinking complicated. We are absolutely qualified. You are absolutely qualified because of what the blood of the lamb has accomplished. You are qualified because of what Jesus Christ has done when we've applied it to ourselves. Later in this same prayer, God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, talking about Jesus Christ through him to reconcile to himself all things whether earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were disqualified. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now God has, this is past tense again, he has reconciled you. He has taken what was separated and brought them together by Christ's physical body. That's the sacrificial lamb. When the blood was applied to your doorpost through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, free from accusation. How does God see you this morning? In the book of Romans, if you want to read it, Paul talks to the church about no longer being slaves to sin, but being slaves to God. He says, what do I say? Should just, you know, should we keep on sinning? By no means we shouldn't keep on sinning. That's not what he's saying. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer qualified or disqualified because of what we've done wrong. We're qualified or, or, or we're quantified. We're qualified because of what Jesus Christ has done. That is it. You guys can come forward. But now, this is Romans 6. You've been set free from sin and have become the slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul prayed for the church in Colossae that you would be qualified. The Father has qualified you. My prayer for the church this morning is that you would no longer allow yourself to be disqualified from something that God has for you. It's not about what you've done. Why? Because I'm no longer a slave to that. It's in the book of Isaiah. How does he describe our righteousness? He doesn't say garbage, but he says filthy rags. I'm not qualified because of what I've done. You're not disqualified because of what you've done.
oh, I get it, we still sin and we still separate ourselves. I'm not saying that. This isn't a license to continue in that. But if God's will is still for you to do, then do it. Oh, I'm not good enough. What if he said it? It doesn't matter if you think you're good enough. If God, the one who made you the author and finisher of all things, the one who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you, if he's saying to you, do it, then guess what? He sees you fit for service in his kingdom. So do it. I'm not disqualified because I'm from the wrong place. I'm not disqualified because, man, I never, I never grew up in church and I never memorized the, 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 the New Testament or the Old Testament books. I could never recite the kings like the kids in the kids' church. I'm not disqualified because I'm, I'm from Kentucky. I'm not disqualified because I'm from Nebraska. I'm not qualified because I'm from, from Springfield, Missouri. That's where the AG headquarters is, just in case. Or because my dad was a pastor. My, car, my kids aren't qualified because of what I do. I'm not qualified because someone said something I could or or couldn't do. I'm qualified because of what Jesus Christ did for me. I'm qualified because there was a Passover lamb once and for all, it says in the book of Hebrews, that was sacrificed on my behalf, that the forgiveness of sin, that the remission of sin could be revealed in my life. I'm qualified because of what Jesus Christ did for you, for me. Father, we come to you this morning. And in this place, God, you know the the strongholds, you know the things, you know the words the thoughts, the schemes. The stuff that we've allowed to disqualify us from what you have for us. God, I pray in this room the Alpha and Omega, the first and last, the beginning and the end, Yahweh, I am, that you would be the author and finisher of our lives, that you would speak to us your will, that you would speak to us your desires, that you would give us a glimpse of the inheritance that's ours in Jesus Christ. And God, we would recognize that we're no longer slaves to sin because of what Jesus Christ has done from us, for us. God, if there's anyone in this room today that's still living disqualified, still living under the law of sin, still living under the law of death, God, I pray that they would recognize what Jesus Christ has done for them.
God, the way we become qualified is is confessing with our mouth Jesus Christ is Lord, believing in our heart that God raised Him from the dead. The acknowledgement of Jesus Christ as Savior, as Lord, as the one who is in charge of the sacrifice that was given so that my sin, that which leads to death, could be forgiven. My way into your kingdom could be guaranteed because of the Passover lamb and the blood being applied to my life. God, I take captive those thoughts in this room. The lies, the arguments that tell us that we're not qualified. And I speak the truth of the gospel, the good news that says you are qualified. God, I pray for greater qualification. In Jesus' name, amen. As they lead us in a chorus, I want to open the altars up. If you need someone to stand with you, and this can be about stuff going on in life. You just need someone to pray with you. This can be about the message that the Spirit of God spoke to you. If you've let yourself fall under this trap of, of feeling unqualified or have a wound that says you're not enough or you're not from the right place or someone said something in your life, as a pastor, I want to stand with you this morning and say, no, you are qualified. I want to pray that the God of all hope, he speaks to your heart. He helps you to lift your eyes up from the things of this world, to lift your minds up from the things of this world and look at him and let him speak to you and let him show you all that is yours through him. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we could be called children of God. And that's who we are. This morning is our opportunity to respond. As a pastor, I'll be here to pray. If you want to pray about the sermon or something else, uh, now's the time. Look at someone and say, I'm qualified. I'm qualified. You're qualified. It's finished. Because of Jesus Christ and the blood of the Lamb, I'm qualified. No matter what He asks, no matter how crazy it may seem, I'm qualified. The Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may He turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. And may you know you're qualified. Amen? Be blessed.